Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm so excited for you to hear a new episode of our podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Coach Kentrell Tyson. Coach Tyson's currently the offensive coordinator at Hansville High School in the Coleman, Alabama area. Just an incredible young man, strong man of character, strong man of God, loves the Lord. I cannot wait for you to hear from him, so let's jump right in. Well, thanks for joining me today, Coach Tyson. Yes, sir. I'm glad to be on. You bet. So... I always like to start these off with some background information. So if you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, uh, where you grew up, a little bit about your, your family growing up and where you are today. Uh, yeah, I'm originally from Op, Alabama. Uh, if everybody knows the song, I'm down with OPP. You know, that's exactly how you spell it. Um, it's in the <laughs> deep, deep south part of Alabama. Uh, I grew up there in Op until about the ninth grade. And um, little family changes, and I end up moving in with an aunt. Um, to Missouri, St. Louis, Missouri, and Fort Leonard Wood, Waynesville area. And when I was a junior in high school, I decided to come back to up and where I finished out my high school years. Um, I was fortunate enough then my senior year to get a football scholarship uh, to Faulkner University, uh, play football there for two years. And uh, then I decided uh, after a couple of surgeries that I had to have, that started having some uh, gastro problems, so I had to have some surgeries. Decided that football was probably not the route to keep going with some of those severe things. Got out of it and uh, actually uh, moved in with a cousin up there and uh, started doing online schooling and such and um, got into deciding I wanted to be a coach again or whatever and finished up that. Um, but then I moved back to Missouri <laughs> uh, because I really loved the area when I was there for a young time. So I was still going to college there and um, it was just, I knew then and when I finished that it was like, I want to get back home to Alabama. So it was like Missouri or Alabama, I couldn't push away because Missouri's really cold, but Alabama's really hot. So if I could have moved for six months in Alabama, six months in Missouri, I would have just kept doing that. But uh, I, I got a call one day from a guy that I just I, I absolutely uh, look up to a lot. And, uh, Coach Brandon Wilcox at Montevallo High School now um, called me and was like, uh, morning coach on the staff and that's what kind of got me into the coaching ranks um, as a young 20-year-old. And ever since then, I don't know, it's, it's been fun. It's been incredible. That's awesome. So what, what made you want to be a coach? Uh, when, I, uh, when I was growing up through high school, like I said, um, it, was pretty, it was pretty rough uh, as far as like, I don't know, I, as far as me just having everything that I thought that a high school kid could have. And I mean, I, nobody always grows up in a million dollar home. Um, but there was a guy, uh, there is a guy who I, who I absolutely just consider an absolute father figure. I actually call him Pops. Um, it's the defensive coordinator at Op High School now. His name is Michael Cassidy. And um, I've seen what he does for kids. And it's just like, that's, that's what I want to be. He's like the epitome of what a, I believe like a coach should be. And um, I'll never forget um, the many of times he would call me in my office and he would make sure, you know, I had this or I had that. And on my, uh, in fact, on my senior night, um, my father wasn't able to make it to the game. Coach Cassidy walked down there with me and stood beside me uh, as my father figure, not only night, but also my senior night of basketball. So it, it's Coach Cassidy, he's, he's definitely the, the one reason why I really want to be a coach. And, uh, and other great guys uh, like Juan Johnson and Ronnie Sansom, those guys who are coaches now, or Coach Ronnie Sansom's actually out of it now, but those guys and, 
have really, my coaches really is what impact me. Jack Wiggum and Greg Ennis, all those guys. So those guys are really who really impacted my life from wanting to be a coach. That's awesome. So you talked a little bit about in the, in the intro, growing up in op, moving to Missouri, moving back to op. So, um, let's talk about your faith for a minute. Did you grow up, you know, in a family of faith? And then at what point did you decide that you needed that personal relationship with Jesus? Uh, yeah, I, it, in the, in the South, you know, man, you go to church. I don't care. <laughs> and right. sometimes, especially my family, uh, dealing with my grandma, you go to about three or four church services a day on Sunday. <laughs> so I, I wasn't, it wasn't like I wasn't like going to church or anything, but man, we went, <laughs> I was probably at every revival my church had growing up. I mean, every church play and all that. So being around that, and plus I have uh, uncles and aunts who are who are ministers of the gospel um, who, who to this day still uh, impact my life, and I and I try to do follow a lot of the things that I see them do because uh, they set really great examples for me. Um, but when I was about 15 years old, um, 15 or 16, I remember going to Southside Baptist Church, and uh, Pastor Tommy Fountain had put on some kind of uh, youth thing. And uh, him and his son, Stephen found, and I sat there and I was just like, you know what? I'm going to give it a try. I think, I think this is, you know, this is what it should be. And I, and I just, the part that really got me was that it's not going to be perfect. It's probably, it's probably going to even get worse at times when you, you know, finally accept the Lord Jesus Christ. And I was like, you know what? I've tried everything else. Um, mm. I guess now I, I, I guess now I need to just finally give it up. And so that I just, then immediately went and was like, I'm going to go up there. And I did. And then I was actually followed by a couple of my teammates. So that was, that was pretty cool. That was, they were there, so. You're right. It's, it doesn't, there's nowhere in the Bible. Does it say that it's going to be easy or, or perfect, but right. you know, when we go through those difficult times, at least we know, you know, we have a God that loves us and that's always there. That's good. So talk about, uh, you talked about a little bit about, um, where you've coached, talk about your, your current position there and, and then any pressure associated with being a high school coach. Oh man. Uh, currently, yeah, I'm at Hansville high school, uh, where coach coach McCain is our uh, head coach. Um, Hansville has been a place that at no fault of anybody's own over the last couple of years has just hasn't been what it used to be back in the early um, 2011, 10, 2010, and uh, it kind of got, got away from its winning ways there. Um, so, I mean, you really don't feel like the pressure from, like, the community, but I've always been a person who's, like, put pressure on myself, um, especially as an offensive uh, coordinator. And uh, and I, at times, you know, obviously coaching can be so stressful, but just to see the, the maturation of the kids um, lets you know that they're, that you are doing something positive. And those pressures that you put on yourself, you know, they eventually uh, won't be there because you will reach some sort of success. And uh, that's been the greatest thing about it because I've seen them since spring. And uh, at first we couldn't walk and chew bubble gum at the same time, mm-hmm. let alone run Y corner or stick, you know. So, <laughs> uh, so it's kind of, it's been such a, an amazing process to watch and uh, the kids just, you know, ease that kind of pressure off of you. Um, I remember there was a point in the season where we had not scored in six quarters offensively. And uh, me being the, an offensive guy, it's like, okay, now what, what do we do now? Um, and then, then we go out and boom, we beat a team 28-0, to zero, and you're thinking, okay, I think we found our mojo back. Um, so it's, 
it's really just those those pressures. I think I I, I put a lot of them on myself. It does, it doesn't really come on thing with the being a handsome because I love that place. Um, but I think a lot of pressures come from myself. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. So, is there an athlete or two that you've coached where this really just from pure athletics that just really stands out to you? Oh yeah. Uh, well, there's about three of them. Um, Sean Vincent, who's uh, now uh, wide receiver at Faulkner University, which is where I went and played. Um, Sean had never played quarterback in his life. His senior year, I've come to Winterboro, and uh, he was in a quarterback battle there. And we figured another kid would help us in our another package. So we made Sean the quarterback. And I, Sean is probably the per athletic best player I've ever coached. Mm-hmm. Um, he, it was just – I don't know. It was it – was, it was just absolutely we could I could probably go blindfolded and pick one play and Sean would score a touchdown. It was that crazy. Um another Carson McGinnis, uh, probably the best uh, wide receiver. Him and Niles Ashley um from Winterboro and Carson's from Carbon Hill was probably the t- other two guys that are just that were just really good at their craft. Like they were just really, really good. Um there's it's so many that I could think of. Alex Atkins of Carbon Hill is a linebacker who's probably the best linebacker I've ever been around as far as the high school level, being a coach or whatever. Um, so, yeah, that, but Sean, Sean is probably definitely at the top. Definitely at the top. What about an athlete that you've seen God use you in their life? Oh, man, <laughs> this one's probably going to get a, a little bit emotional. Um each school I've been at, there's always been one kid who has, I believe that God had just for some, some reason connected us to, I can think very, very, my first job, it was uh, Marion County high school. It was Trevon, this kid named Trevon Waller. He, uh, Trevon, it just was instant um, because he, when I actually got there, Trevon wasn't around and it was because he had done, you know, got made some bad decisions or whatever. So he had to do some other stuff, but then like it was instant. When I got to Carbon Hill, a kid named Brandon Scholes, who I till this day, Brandon, and when he walks in the room, you just light up because mm. you know that kid's story and you know what he's been through. And uh, like I tell people in my testimony, there was plenty of nights where I, you know, we we didn't. I slept in a house when we didn't have lights on at the time or stuff like that. And but but I knew that eventually God would make a way because you know that's what I heard when I was fifteen, and so I just had to encourage them. Um, and currently right now, there's another kid. It's Ty Edwards. He, he's everybody. They'll all tell you, Ty has absolutely just, just caught my heart by an amazement. And, um, and they're usually the kids that they're, they, they're, they're athletic, but you know, that there's a different side of them that it's just, isn't, you know, what everybody, you know, else life is like. And I don't know uh, why God does it, but he does it. And, and those three are probably just have been, like the most captivating um, as far as God is leading me to them and being around those kids, those three. That's awesome. What, what about, um, I mean, you're still young in your coaching career. What's your greatest memory or accomplishment? <laughs> oh man. Uh, my greatest memory uh, was probably, uh, man, a game wise, it has to be last season. Um, when I was at Winterboro, my head coach there, Alan Beckett, um, the, the word was out. He, his, his record versus Ragland High School was, you know, pretty bad. And uh, it, it was just a big-time personal robbery for him. And it was – we won on a – and I'm a Florida fan, so we won on a Tim Tebow jump pass. <laughs> and him in the smile – in the smile on his face was absolutely amazing. 
uh, that we had got that victory. And, uh, man, it was – I loved it. Absolutely loved it seeing that. So that's probably my greatest as far as game is concerned. Um, outside of the games, uh, speaking at clinics were always some of, or some of my top memories. Those are really fun. I like those. Um, so, yeah, I think that – I think those two are probably my biggest outside of that, outside of the what game. A, what about um, – I don't really, I don't like to use the word disappointment. What about greatest challenge so far in your career? Uh, greatest challenge is uh, myself. Um, and I say that because, like I told you earlier, the pressures of that I put on my, my own self there, um, those that's probably it. The, the, the challenge of myself of not being – complacent with the success that we have reached and wanting to get more of that, but also the while living in reality of what it is and trying to adjust and all that. Because like being a young OC and being a young coach, uh, arrogancy sets in whenever you reach a lot of success. Um, I know it, I talk about it all the time. If my team goes out and scores 50 points, the next week I'm going to tell you, we could be playing the Patriots. I'm going to tell you we're going to score 60. Um, so the, the arrogancy of that being just a young coach, and, and I realize it's there. It has been. Um, and uh, it is it, it has bit me in the butt quite a few times. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just, I mean, it's, that's just a normal feeling, right? It's easy for us to, when we have success, to start believing in ourselves and pride, you know, comes in. It's right. Just, it's a constant battle. So let me ask you this. How do you balance the demands of coaching with life outside of football? Um, <laughs> because there is a lot um, of time required being a coach. So, And then second, what advice would you offer maybe an, another single young coach like yourself of balancing life and career? You have to just take it a step. Um, really uh, – you have to just, like, just step by step, day by day. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how I balance it, but I do. It's really weird to explain, but uh, I do. I try to take it step by step, and you 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 have to have help. You just can't you can't do it on your own. As an OC, I'm always asking my OL coach, Paul Quattlebaum, questions every day. Um, how can I do this? What am I doing wrong here? And it's you have to have the help of the have to be a people person. And uh, that helps out a lot. There's been a lot of talk in the media over the last six or eight weeks. I think it stems from that show, Last Chance You, about football coaches and the need to, quote, unquote, tear down players and the, the widely um, use of profanity. So as a believer and a follower of Christ, how do you approach coaching and the balance of, you know, the demand to win, but also just building players up? Um, versus oh yeah I mean, uh man it's uh that that is very has was probably one of the hardest things i actually even being a believer at first uh dealing with as a young coach because i mean it's what i heard so i'm thinking you know this is what you got to do because to get their attention and i'm like nah you really don't have to do all that um to grab the attention of a 16 or 17 year old kid um there's other tactical ways uh I, 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 that is like, again, I say it's hard to like sometimes be around. Um, but then again, you understand that, you know, not everybody's gonna, you know, respond and react to the same way that you do. When we talked, you talked about also being involved with FCA. So clearly your, your faith plays a big role 
in, in your coaching career. So have you seen any resistance um, to being a, a man of faith in, in, in the coaching world? Oh, no. No, oh, no. Oh, no. And, and, that, and for me, I guess I've been fortunate enough um, to be around some guys who are, like I said, down here in the Bible Belt <laughs> of Alabama. You, uh, you, you, you're, it's perfectly acceptable and okay. And actually, uh, the head coaches I've worked for are all very, very, very active in their churches. Um, you look at Marion County, uh, Coach Cal Williams, he's a Sunday school teacher. You, when I go to Carbon Hill, Scott Kerr, he's a deacon and a, he was a Sunday school teacher. I get to Winterboro, Coach Alan Beckett was huge on FCA. I mean, he's the reason why I got into speaking it. He, uh, he took the team to his church. Um, so, and now I'm at uh, Hansville and Coach McCain, he's very active in his church. He speaks in his church. So it's down here, it's been, I've been so fortunate enough to be under those four guys who have just just been like boldly, you know, out there for uh, Jesus. So it's really been really good. That's awesome. That's, that's an encouragement because not everybody, you know, is, is in that environment. So that's, that's awesome. So without getting into politics, um, it's no secret that our culture is very divided. And there's very few things that unite us. And, and sports is one of the few things that will bring people together. Right. So in your time playing and coaching, how have you seen sports tear down those walls? I mean, because – I mean, there's division among race, politics, religion, socioeconomic status, but sports seems to, to be able to tear down those walls. So how have you seen that, those walls be broken down through sports? Oh, man, just, just firsthand, like, I, the greatest part of, that I've seen it as was probably my time at, um, at Winterboro. Um, if you know the socioeconomic background and the, the, the lives of some of those kids versus some of the other kids, you, you see a lot of disparity there between the kids who you know for a fact are well off and there's kids who just you don't know if the next day if you're going to be going down to the morgue to identify their body or you're going, you know, whatever, or if they're even going to show up to school that week. And, um, and I've seen those kids just come together regardless of whatever that whatever was going on at home, regardless of skin color or anything like that, really come on and just absolutely just take that part of the division there and just absolutely crush it. And that was, that was part of the, one of the things that I, I really talked about when I was there, but I loved watching it as close up from that. And I have, I've seen that have just, it's just really when you become that band of brothers or sisters for girl sports that I think all that outside stuff, um, just it gets gets crushes, and for that moment that you're around those people, um, if you truly love them, and, and, and you truly have to have a love for Christ in, in that, because again, everybody's not going to go home to a home that's filled with both parents, and they can just write a check for anything they want. Um, but when you bring it all together that, at that moment, and you truly, truly become like a family to each other, all that stuff on the outside, I think, gets crushed, and that's that's what the that's the the thing that sports does, I think when you truly have people that really care for each other and love each other um, beyond the game itself. That's good because it, it truly is, you know, just, just a game, but it does have a way of, you know, if you kind of look at it, like you said, as a family and it's, to me, it's just a beautiful picture of how Christ designed the church. Right. Right. Um, Right. That we're all act different, look different, 
have different amounts of money, but if we right. have that one common goal or one true one family, right. um, we can accomplish a lot. Right. Well, I ask you to offer some advice. A lot of our listeners are uh, athletes, um, coaches. So what advice would you offer them to use their platform that they have? Cause athletics is a platform can be used for good or for bad. So what advice would you offer them to using the platform to be bold for Christ? Um, just keep, keep on keeping on. I mean, I, my, with my testimony that I have, um, you, I've in 2017, I like to tell people that was the worst, best, worst year of my life. And, mm-hmm. uh, that was when I really had to turn to God and, and in the midst of, turning to God for myself, I was still having players and other coaches, you know, asking me, uh, you know, believer stuff. And uh, so I had to just keep on pushing through. And regardless of whatever is going on in your life, you're, you, you still are, I, I, I like to say obligated may be the wrong word, but to you still as a believer of Christ are supposed to encourage and uplift others. So whatever you're going through, keep on keeping on. I, in 2017, I was fired. I, like again, I was an arrogant young coach. I, I I was thought I was on top of the world. I was invincible. It. I'm telling you, I was. I knew it. I was. I, I could be at. I thought I was going to be at that school forever. I was going. I was the dog. I was the man. We were coming off of a Final Four. You know, we. I knew what we had coming back and all this stuff. We at the current time, the varsity team was 20 and five or something like that. And I was assistant on that staff, and I thought the world was just in at, in my hands and grips. And then, then on January 19th of 2017, I was fired. Mm. And then so at that point, everything just seemed to just like it was just falling downhill. But I knew I still had to have my faith and I had to still use the platform that I had um, to glorify God and let others see that even through this. And I remember texting, like I told you, Brandon Wilcox, the head coach of Montevallo. He said, don't get bitter, get better. And mm. I was like, yes, sir. And so that was the that was one of the, the things that I took with me all through that firing process until I was hired again um, by uh, Coach Scott Curd at Carbon Hill. And uh, and like I said, so things were back rolling. I was back in it. I was high. And that was the thing I really learned about myself, too. I said, even in the good times or the bad times, God still needs to get the glory because the same God that well, he was yesterday, he's today and he is forevermore. So regardless of whatever is going on, the, the same God that you prayed to while you were in the valley, it's the same God that equipped you to climb the mountain. So it, just keep on using your platform and keep on in the, and, and um, just keep on keeping on really is the thing, regardless of whatever happens. Um, because that's what I really, I really had to do in 2017. Cause once I got the job at Carbon Hill again, I was like, okay, boom, I'm at a three, a school. It's a lot bigger than the one, a school I was at. I'm back on the scene. It's, I, I guess I was starting to make it about me. And, uh, and I, God was like, no, this is not what I'm, I'm, I'm elevating you to this for. I, 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 there was still a point where I still needed to glorify God even more. And I'll never forget that, uh, I really came to that point. It was the week before the first game. Uh, my older brother passed away. And uh, I was back to that point of just being low. And I was like, God, why are you doing this? Why every time does it look like when I'm I'm at the mountaintop, I'm doing what I know I would love to do, you seem to just crush me. And, uh, and I just really felt like God was like, no, that's not what I'm using this for. I'm using this. So on your platform of being a coach, you can show people that even – 
and death, God is able to give life, whether that's life to a, a newborn kid coming or if it's life to a kid that's coming up to you saying, hey, coach, I'm struggling through this at home. Can you help me get because it's, it's it was just an amazing. It was the, like I said, the best worst year, best year of my life. And that that is the biggest testimony year I've had in my life. So just that that year, the platform uh, for Christ was what I, I really, um, really, I think I really got closer to God and was really able to help others get closer to him then. So just keep on keeping on. It's my biggest thing. That's good, man, because bitterness um, can come in and, and really take over. I like that. Don't get bitter, get better. And, you know, you hit on something else that, you know, it's very easy. And we see it a lot in athletics. You know, when there's a success, it's easy to to give God glory. But that's not right. really what he requires and, and asks ask of us it's no matter what you know because right. all things work together for the right. good and, you know he takes the bad and the good and brings it together you know and weaves it to together for good so right. um, what what a testimony of losing your job but being able to to see that god is using that to kind of recenter you know right and uh you know and and, and giving give god glory and honor e- even in the losses because at the end of the day, he's still God. Right. That's right. That's good. That is so That's true. Good stuff. So a lot of people have um, a favorite scripture or a life verse. So I was going to ask you if you have one that you'd share with us, or um, is there one that God has shown you recently? Um, it's crazy because I'm rereading uh, Tim Tebow's book, uh, Through My Eyes or whatever, and there's a lot of scriptures in there. Um but my favorite one is, uh, you do not understand what I'm doing now, but in time I will. Or, and it's, that was like, again, that was one of those things there in 2017. I'm like, okay, God, I don't understand it, but can that end time happen? Like right now? <laughs> like, so I really like use that scripture, um, a lot. Um, but my favorite though is, is it still has to go back to John three sixteen, And I love to put myself in there for God. So love can trail. And that, mm. and that I, I just, I end it right there. For God so loved Ken Trill. And, and that lets me know that, you know, regardless, again, whatever happens, that God still loves me. Even 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 when I'm, I see myself as a failure, um, God still loves me. You know, even when I see myself as the victim, God loves me enough to make me the victor. You know, uh, so even when I feel like it's in the test, God uses it. He loves me so much. He makes it my testimony. When I think I'm a mess, he loves me enough to turn me into a message. That is the things that I, I mean, that just that scripture, just that little part there. For God so loved Kentrell or anybody who's re- or listening or reading or see this. For God so loved whoever you are. Um, I'm telling you that just that enough in itself gets me. Um, I like that. I like that inserting your own name there because then it becomes personal and actually means more. Yes, sir. That's good stuff. So one last question, two words in sports all in, um, you know, it's all over chin straps, t-shirts, wristbands. We know what it is, but also, you know, as a follower of Christ, Jesus is very clear. Um, you know, if we're going to follow him, we have to be all in selfless. So what does that look like in a practical sense? Cantrell in your daily walk, what does it look like to be all in for Christ? Um, 
being that example, it's so easily, uh, it's so easy to have, I guess, quote unquote, boy talk, as we like to say it now, especially among coaches. It happens in every coach group chat message. It happens in the little small smirk talks. But I guess it's just being all in was like using those opportunities where, you know, it really could be a negative conversation and just turning it into something, you know, a positive or something, good vibes or, and stuff like that. And just not falling in the trap of just, you know, having that certain kind of talk or whatever, um, which is the biggest thing, I think. Yeah, that's good stuff. I like that. It's always a, a good encouragement because um, we're always around those types of conversations. You know, right. To, to remember that um, – if we're going to claim to be a follower of Christ, we need to be a light and be a good example. Right. Good stuff, man. Hey, I know it's kind of taken us a while to, to get this scheduled. Um, so I appreciate your patience oh, no. and, and be willing to yes, do sir. this. Yes, sir. Thank you again to Kentrell for taking time during the busy season to join us, to share his heart, his story, and for you listeners to be encouraged to always love God, and to care for others and to just be an example, to use every conversation that you come in contact with every day to be a gospel conversation, to point someone to Jesus, to be a light for others. Um, One of the things um, he was talking about in athletics, but I think it's so important for you and me in our everyday life that it's easy for us to get upset, to get bitter, but it is to take those disappointments, those challenges, when things don't go, don't go our way. He said, don't get bitter, get better. I love that because that's something that I know I need in my life is to, is to not get upset, to not get angry at certain things and to harbor that. But use it as an opportunity, a growing experience to get better. I hope you've been encouraged um, by Cantrell. Um, I know he encouraged me. Um, in my daily walk, my daily conversation to always build people up, to encourage people. That's something we need more of in today's society. So I would encourage you to take this opportunity to share this episode with a family member or a friend. Um, as always, we love to hear from you. You can interact with us on social media. Just go to Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, type in All In Sports Outreach. will take you to our pages. Our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org as well. But I know who we are, why we do what we do, opportunities to pray for us, serve with us, and to give. Lastly, thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your prayers. And if you're not a subscriber to this podcast, whatever platform you're using, just click that subscribe button. There's over 100 previous episodes that will encourage you. And I know coming up as we close out 2019, there's some greater conversations, some great guests coming up in 2020. We'd love to have you on that journey with us. So click subscribe. Thank you. We appreciate you.